right, glad you're with us. Wow, I was stunned. I didn't expect it. It is, it, it is, it is like a, a cloud lifts. I had been saying that take all the hits. We expect the second quarter numbers, you know, post a shutdown was uh, going to be really bad. And by the way, they're still going to be bad, but I'm thinking, okay, we're not opening up fast enough. You know, we've learned a lot of lessons. I've gone through all the lessons again and again and again and what we learned, what we did right, protect the elderly like they did in, in Florida with DeSantis and Abbott in Texas and Kemp in Georgia. Okay, you do pretty well and you, you, you protect the most vulnerable, the opposite of what Cuomo did in New York and Murphy did in New Jersey and Wolf in um, uh, Pennsylvania, Whitmer, you know, shut down Whitmer in, in Michigan. By the way, she's out protesting, just like Nancy Pelosi, with no social distancing. Pretty amazing, considering all that they've been saying just recently. And I said, all right, but if we can, one of the things, one of my pet hopes, projects, what I want more than anything is a, a sense of normalcy. And I believe sports will do that for us. You know, we've seen NASCAR now. They have their races now up and running. UFC now, they're moving and they're getting things up and running. Uh, I don't know what's going on with Major League Baseball and the Players Association, but you guys don't make a deal soon. It's not going to work out for any of you. And just think back about the strike. When was it? In the 90s. Uh, the next year didn't work out well for Major League Baseball. People go away, they get bored, and they forget about you. So uh, if I was them, i get up and running. And if I have to wear a mask to go to a NBA game or an NFL game or an MLB game, I'd be willing to wear it temporarily. You know, hopefully this thing is all done. We'll find out a lot soon. Um, one of the biggest indicators is going to be with all the people out on the streets marching in all these different cities. Are we going to see a spike in new coronavirus cases? Uh, we'll know in a couple of weeks. I'm praying we, we don't have that spike. Um, but it's possible. So the numbers come out. The U.S. economy, I did not expect this in May. I did not think this would happen this early. Now, I did believe that if we opened up the economy, that that we could absolutely see a the, the, the V-shape, at least the beginnings of it, a dramatic re- reversal of the economy, because the fundamentals before COVID and coronavirus of this economy were strong. Because this president, what did he do? He got rid of all the burdensome regulation. He cut taxes and brought manufacturing back. Now we're going to bring back a lot more manufacturing. Those are the jobs that Barack and Joe said were never coming back. But for this strong showing in May, these these numbers shocked me. And I don't often get shocked and because I didn't expect it this early. Now, if it was the end of June or we got June's numbers in July, and these were the numbers, I would say, yeah, I would have expected that. I think now even, what's today's date? Next week, even New York is opening four phases, whatever phase they're going to be in. Um, this is great for everybody. This is great for the country. This is great for workers. You know, and, and one of the things I'm hearing from people is when they get back to work, there's a passion now that they didn't have before. And some people are loving it, too, because now they don't even have to ever go back in the office. Imagine that. It's pretty amazing. But the U.S. economy added more than two and a half million jobs in May. The prediction was that we would have an estimated loss of seven and a half million jobs. You have 225,000 
uh, jobs in manufacturing, 464,000 in construction, 1.2 million in the leisure and hospitality jobs. By the way, everybody I know is dying to go on a vacation. Everybody I know. The number of workers who reported being on temporary layoff decreased by 2.7 million in May. Let's put it this way. May now is the greatest number of jobs created in a single month on record. Now, remember, they were talking about 20 percent unemployment rate. Well, the unemployment rate, it peaked, it looks like, at 14.7 percent. Now it's already down to 13.3 percent while it was expected to rise to 20. So it makes clear that once you get up and, and reopen, that you can do it and do it successfully. Look, I've, I've fallen on the sword. I, I was so skeptical of nail salons first opening up in Georgia. Um, I was not I, at the tattoo parlors. I was like, are you crazy? That doesn't sound like a good idea to me. But you know what? Cases in Georgia down 14 percent. I'll tip my hat. I'll admit that I was wrong. The person that did everything right faster than anybody was Governor DeSantis because they're down 15. They went down 15. And I'm sure it's much lower now. The last time I checked in new coronavirus cases and opening the beach, apparently sunlight turns out in some way is is good for people in in so many different ways. I'm not getting into the science of it. Oh, and by the way, Lancet had to revoke their study saying that hydroxychloroquine is bad and dangerous. And it is it is a shock to the medical community because, you know, there was supposed to be the the creme de la creme. They're not. I told you who the premier expert was guy by the name of Dr. Daniel Wallace. This guy has been prescribing hydroxychloroquine. He is the foremost expert on in lupus, rheumatoid arthritis. He's written papers on uh, anti-malarials, et cetera. He knows all about it. What did he say? Forty two years of practice. Uh, dispensing for these specific diseases, hydroxychloroquine. Uh, not one person ever hospitalized for taking it. And he said, no problem when they take it with a ZPAC either. And then he's, he's written 400 peer reviewed studies. And the foremost experts saying the risk and the doses that we're talking about, he said for 30 to 60 days, nobody was taking it for that long. The longest I heard was 14 days. Most people was five, seven or 10 days or 14 days. I didn't hear anybody taking it that long, up to 30 or 60 days. He said any risk is nil, except for a rash. That would be the only thing you have to watch out for. One other minor little thing, too. It was very minor. So it should give every American hope. It is the biggest jobs increase ever, 2.5 million. And we're just, I mean, we're literally just, it's, it's the tip of the iceberg here. Because we didn't open up everything. Most, as a matter of fact, we, what are we up to? 30 some odd states, 35 states open. We're not even talking about all 50 states yet. You know, now look at what else has happened. American ingenuity. Not only you know, we've come up with great creative ideas about how to safely open restaurants. We're starting slow. We're making sure that we're doing it right. We're making, you know, we have restaurants putting in new ventilation systems. They're putting up the plexiglass, uh, people dining in some cases, you know, more distance between the tables. You don't have as much capacity. Hopefully that can be changed eventually as well. Um, people even wearing masks, except for the time when they're eating. Um, but you have these, they all seem to be working. Every ingenious idea, every, every genius idea is working here. 
The innovation has been amazing because Americans want to work. They want to get back to work. They want to do what they do best. And then you got the media mob. Let's go to the Washington Post. This was isn't that Eric the Pimples uh, paper? The uh, you know another Fox News Hannity stalker. Um, anyway, well let's see. They tweeted out a uh, grim milestone milestone to be reached as May unemployment rate nears twenty percent. No, wrong again. More fake news. What do we also learn this week that nobody in the mob? They should all be on their hands and knees apologizing for three years of dragging the country through the mud with what I described accurately. And we unpeeled every layer of the onion. And that is premeditated fraud on a FISA court taking away the civil liberties, the constitutional rights of Carter Page to spy on then candidate Trump with an insurance policy to spy on then transition team Trump and deep into the presidency of Donald Trump. Rod Rosenstein, well, if I knew now uh, that the fourth FISA warrant, the third renewal, uh, was based on debunked information, I never would have signed it. I never would have appointed Mueller. There was no there there at all with Russia collusion. None. Zero. The mob, the media, the Democrats, they ginned it all up and they all lied. And you have these people at the upper echelon, seventh floor. This is Jim Comey, Mr. Higher Honors, FBI, corrupt, abusing power. McCabe, corrupt, abusing power. I just want to see, you know, I think if I did these things or you did these things, all of you in this audience would be charged. You would be charged. Um, Let's see if it happens in this case. Um, Anyway, so that's great news. Great news. We have, let's see, one of the the funnier things is you have some top Democrats. They're trying to take credit for Trump's economy now. Uh, It's pointing out they pushed Trump and Republicans to spend the money. Uh, No, that's not exactly what happened. Yeah, you guys wanted to fund, let's see, the National Endowment for the Humanities, the National Endowment for the Arts, the Kennedy Performance Center. Uh, Yeah, you kept the nation on hold and you wanted to change immigration laws and you wanted to change voting laws. Unbelievable. Jim Cramer over at CNBC, because it really is hard to overestimate the stunning implication of this amazing jobs report, because of all the challenges Facing America, the pandemic, the riots, you name it, the threat posed by shutting down the world's largest economy for more than three months was by far the most potentially catastrophic now. Remember, the president kept saying the cure can't be worse than the the problem. And Kramer just said, we're back. That's what he said. Use those two words regarding the economy. Then also said, declaring that, uh, you know, we're not only back after the numbers came out, I think there are a lot of people who felt the layoffs would be permanent, and it's obvious that there's so much demand that people have to bring people back. There were many people who thought that this would be the historic beginning of the Depression. 20% layoff, he said. He said, now we start looking back to comparing it to the Great Depression. It is now off the table. That's good news. Uh, You have post-lockdown job numbers exploding. Just exploding. This is America's great comeback. It'll be one of the greatest economic stories ever. And guess what? I guess that's bad news for Democrats that Trump's plans and policies are successful. 
you know, what did we learn? What did I keep saying we learned from the coronavirus? What did I learn here in the epicenter? We learned, number one, that they can manufacture all the ventilators, the gowns, the masks, uh, uh, respirators, gloves, whatever, you name it. They never shut down because if they did, New York hospitals and New York patients were dead. We learned we could have the biggest medical mobilization in the history of mankind and get it all done and not fall short of one ventilator. Even though being on a ventilator, your odds aren't good the minute you're on it. Uh, we learned that we will lie to about hydroxychloroquine by some of the, quote, top experts in medicine. That really pisses me off, too. We learned the experts were wrong. We learned the models were wrong. We also learned that the food chain supply and, you know, the farmers, the packers, truckers and our friend that I talked about every week that I'd see stocking the shelves at my local grocery store and the cashiers at my local grocery store. They didn't get sick because they wore masks in the middle of, you know, ground zero. They did not get sick. So I know some of you kind of say, Hannity, uh, what's with you in the mask? I'm just saying it worked. And if it means I can go to a baseball game or a football game temporarily, if I have to wear the stupid thing, which I hate, I wear it. Anyway, 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. America should be happy. Now, if this continues, which I anticipate now that we're going to really start opening up in June, July 1st begins quarter three. Well, quarter three numbers, July, August, September, they will come out in October before an election. 151 days. Now, when you get third quarter numbers, they're going to be a disaster. But whatever. We, we, we kind of already knew that. So I read a tweet by Byron York uh, today. He said, well, maybe it's time, he goes, for some enterprising blue state municipality to go bold, eliminate its police forces. See what happens. Because this is now this this is the big move of the left. Now it's it's time to get rid of the police forces. You know, imagine for a second. I would never want to see this. Um, I, I watched. I guess I don't know if this was this. I don't know. I know that AG in Minneapolis, uh, Minnesota, rather, um, we know to be a Keith Ellison. Well, his son apparently is on the city council and. They're uh, they're voting to eliminate a police department. I mean, kind of bizarre. I don't quite understand it. You know, you have Hillary Clinton's former press secretary demanding the U.S. defund the police. Uh, you have the Minnesota Public School Board of Education voting to terminate their contract with the police department. Uh, then you have we must take all actions in our power to stop systems of oppression in the Minneapolis City Council. You know, they're now aiming to dismantle the entire police department. Uh, well, I know Black Lives Matter says that they want to f literally police their own community, quote, their words, and that they're going to police it and uh, with armed citizens, a militia, it sounds like to me. Um, I don't think that's a very good idea. Well, what if the police didn't show up one day? What if they had a sick out? What, what do you think would happen? What, how do you think, you know, a group that we have the tape of what do we want dead cops? When do we want them now? We're going to they're going to have the that they'll do the policing. And because this is now the battle cry. I mean, you've got tons of people on the left saying this. And you got we have part two of our undercover investigation with Project Veritas that they did with on Antifa. Uh, wait do you hear what they have today. It's pretty shocking and pretty dangerous. The L.A. 
Mayor has announced a $250 million budget cut for the LAPD, $150 million for them. But abolishing police now is a, a cause celeb. 25 now till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. So you got Hillary Clinton's uh, former press secretary demanding the U.S. defund the police. You've got the Minnesota school board voting to cut ties with the police. They voted Tuesday to terminate their contract with the police department following the death of George Floyd. Uh, that's then you have Minneapolis city council members aiming to dismantle the entire police department to rethink public safety. Jeremiah Ellison is the son of Minnesota attorney general Keith Ellison and a representative of the city's ward five explicitly led the calls to dramatically rethink how the city keeps its people safe. We're going to dismantle the Minneapolis police department. He tweeted and when we're done, we're not simply going to glue it back together. We're going to dramatically think how we approach public safety and re- emergency response. It's past due. He, uh, call, his call was echoed by a, the president of the city council, a woman by the name of Lisa Bender. She said, we are going to dismantle the Minneapolis Police Department, replace it with a transformative new model of public safety. Okay, good luck with that. Um even Juan Williams said that's a bad idea. Uh, I don't know what dismantling the police department means. Does it mean they're going to fire them? They have a contract with them? Are they going to pay them all off? How does that work? I don't know. You know, there is more diversity in, in police departments in every city across America. And democra- demographics have, have borne that out. Now we're talking about in Los Angeles, the mayor there confirming that Eric Arcetti confirming Thursday that his administration will allocate $250 million from the budget to be used on job, jobs, health, education, and healing. And we've all said we have to do something different. Talking about $150 million to the LAPD that will be cut. Uh, this is now becoming a very popular idea among angry left-wingers, even a cause celeb in Hollywood. And, you know, it's kind of, I'm I'm just interested in what their their model is going to be. What does that mean? Because the police are usually the first line of defense in terms of what happens when somebody breaks into your house. What, you know, what happens if you're a victim of a crime? What happens, you know, what do you, what do you think the net result is going to be? What do you think criminals will do with that? I mean, it, you you look at, for example, in New York, it is such an unmitigated disaster. The, the worst state, worst city, COVID-19, just unbelievable failure. I mean, to the point where you, you can't even believe that people could be that spectacularly stupid. Now, thank God we finally got in, in New York zero COVID deaths, which is now a first since March and apparently nightlife in New York is getting a boost. Not sure about that uh, headline. This was in the New York Post. Uh, the governor doubled down again on his decision to send coronavirus patients to nursing homes from hospitals when we now know that thousands and thousands of people died, well, unnecessarily because of that one stupid decision. Another stupid decision is they would not allow people to go to a pharmacy to get hydroxychloroquine. Had to go to a hospital if you wanted to get it. Uh, and we have now an update on that, too, by the way. But 
Then the next bad decision was, well, we find out that New York, both the state and the city, the state, they had a health task force recommending 15,783 ventilators for the next pandemic. They're going to be short that many. They didn't buy any. In New York City, they were warned they're going to need close to 10,000. Well, they bought 500. They didn't maintain them. Then they sold them at auction, and they had none. Now, remember that, that big hydroxychloroquine study. It was pushed and published by Lancet, the ever-prestigious medical publication. Well, they've now retracted it uh, from the Wall Street Journal. Three authors of a large study that last month found that the anti-malarials provided no benefit to treating COVID-19 infections while increasing the risk of heart problems and death. They retracted their findings. Now the authors are saying that the medical journal that published on May 22nd that they decided to issue a retraction after the Surgisphere Corporation, the private company that provided the research data, refused to share the full detailed data set as part of a review after outside researchers raised concerns. Lancet, the same journal that politicized medicine in order to get a take a stance in opposing President Trump. Uh, now, we want we went to the foremost expert, Dr. Uh, Wallace out in uh, Cedar sinai in California. Unbelievable. So there is a front cover of the um, New York Post today. It says DiBuzio about protesters turning their backs and booing Comrade de Blasio. Oh, it's well-deserved. I mean, the, the president's been begging the city to offer help. They have to ask for the help. The governor has to ask for the help. The, the president does not have the authority to just send them in unless he invokes the 1807 Insurrection Act, which would give him the authority to do so. But the president rightly is very hesitant in doing that because the next step, if if, if after the police would be the guard, you use the guard, it would have to be a real outright emergency to ever go to the Insurrection Act, because that then brings in the military facing off against their fellow citizens. We don't want that. We have posse comitatus laws, but I think the Insurrection Act legally, you know, would allow the president to do it. But they don't even want any help from the president. That's the sickest part of all of this, no matter how many people are getting hurt here. And Cuomo is also on the front cover. Well, now he wants bail. He decries the release of looters because of the lie of the law that he himself signed. He said it would be nonsensical to let looters back on the street, even though he signed the bail law that makes it pretty much nearly impossible to hold criminals after they're arrested. That's his law that has his signature on it. That, you know, because they're arresting the police are trying to get control of the city. They're losing the city. They're trying to get control of it. But what happens is those that are stirring up all the trouble. Well, guess what? They get arrested and they're out on the street joining back in in the activities within hours with no bail. Let's say they get arrested again. They're out again. No bail. Rejoin the, you know, the anarchy. Unbelievable. It is it is beyond anything I've, I think I've ever seen. You know, but now prosecutors, Cuomo is saying they got to get tough on those people that are looting and the arsonists, et cetera, et cetera. You know, to the to the to New York City district attorneys, it would be nonsensical if the police were arresting looters and they were then being arrested and returned to the street the next day to loot again. 
hey, uh, Cuomo, okay, rescind your own law because you signed that into law. And this is madness. You have looters who are using rocks, breaking windows, stealing. These people should be charged for the for the crime that they committed and bail set. Only problem is he's now tied the hands of DAs. They don't have any bail. And they're all being let out. And by the way, they knew this before this violence ever started because you had people being charged with bank robbery that then would go back out on the street because of no bail. And those people would then also, going forward, rob another bank. And then they'd get let out again and they'd rob another bank. Linda, how many did the one guy rob? What was it, five, six banks? And he, yeah, it was he a said, lot. Yeah, he said, thank you for your new bail law. I appreciate it. Why wouldn't he be thankful? They're not enforcing curfews by any stretch. Uh, you've got a, a clash in Buffalo with an elderly man. I mean, it's this is things are not looking good in New York. I'm going to tell you the net result. People are going to leave in droves. People are sick of it. They've had it. First, the pandemic. They, they were prepared for nothing. Early March, they have the dopey mayor telling people, oh, go out on the town. Here are my recommendations for the next three nights. March 2nd, 3rd, 4th and 5th, or March 3rd, 4th and 5th. Okay, that turned out to be wrong. March 10th, he's still saying, nah, the risk is low. Uh, Cuomo, arrogantly, well, we're not like these other countries. We're prepared, and we're going to, as New Yorkers, uh, we're not like them. We're prepared. They weren't prepared for anything. And thank God Donald Trump, in record time, built the hospitals, manned the hospitals, converted the hospitals, uh, and provided all the ventilators, all of the masks and respirators, all of the shields, all of the gowns, and all of the gloves. Well, now they're saying, well, we want all this money for all these pet projects. You're not getting it because you're not even opening up your state. You know, in spite of all these states remaining closed, you still got two and a half million jobs. Imagine what's going to happen. Hopefully by July, everybody's going to be able to open up, open up safely, use the lessons that we learned. I don't see a lot of masks and social. Di- well, I do see masks. I do see them with the protesters. Um, not sure they're wearing it for COVID reasons, maybe to hide their identity. I don't know. But, um, you know, but now the cry is let's defund the police. All right. What if the police went on strike across the country for one night? What do you think would happen? I don't I, I would never want to see it. And I'll tell you another thing. I don't think cops would ever do it because they don't sign up to be cops to hurt people. I think the vast majority, the 99 percent, Leo Terrell thinks it's 98 percent. They go to work every day to protect and to serve more people that are cops that are in the military, that are nurses, teachers, firemen, policemen, you name it. The ones that I know, my friends, they all go into these professions because it is their calling in life. They've dreamed of it ever since they were young. Guys that want to be pilots, all they've ever wanted to do is fly airplanes and jets. Um, and everybody has different talents. What did I say yesterday? We're all born with talent. Educare, education, Latin, to bring forth from within. Everybody has a different within, and we just got to find whatever it is within that they love to do, and then they're going to be great at what they do because they love what they do. Anyway, Governor Whitmer, by the way, it was fun to watch her violating her own social distancing orders during a protest. You know, where hands up, don't shoot. Remember that happened? That was the Ferguson uh, cry when, in fact, uh, we finally got to the witness part of it. It turned out that didn't happen. 
That was said by the guy that helped rob the convenience store uh, with Michael Brown in that particular case. Whatever happened to Darren Wilson, the uh, the you know career police officer, his his career is over. Uh, Maxine Waters is now classifying and saying the term rioting is negative language used against black people. Well, I've seen people of all races and colors involved in the rioting. I see the same with the, those that are peacefully protesting. I don't I, I see people of all backgrounds and races. As a matter of fact, when a, in a country that doesn't agree on very much, everyone that I've talked to, I've heard all agrees they didn't like what they saw with the knee on the neck of George Floyd like that with his face pushed into the pavement that clearly Dr. Baden said led to his death. Well, Dr. Baden's the best at what he does. So I trust him. I've known him a long time, just like I trust William, you know, Dr. Wallace out in California, the foremost expert on a hydroxychloroquine. All it takes is a little bit of work and a little bit of research, and a little bit of studying, and you get answers that, well, the mob and the media, if it doesn't fit their narrative, isn't going to work. Um, now the spread of getting rid of the police has gone to Congress. Congresswoman Omar calling for the Minneapolis Police Department to disband. Uh, great. Here we go. If you're interested in polling, you know, there's a lot of polling out there. Gallup polls. Democrats now think that they're going to be able to drive President Trump from office by demonizing America's police. OK, but, you know, they've done these polls throughout the years. And what do we learn? Well, the police, in terms of net confidence, they're plus 60 percent. Uh, the military plus 65 percent. Small business plus 60 percent. You know, then they go through different, you know, the presidency. Uh, let's see, that'd be plus six. Supreme Court plus 17 uh, banks plus 10. Oh, let's get all the way down to television news people. Oh, minus 30. Let's get down to Congress. Minus 41 net confidence. Ooh, they have confidence in the police, the military, but not, not so much in Congress or the mob and the media. Gee, I wonder why. Really hard to figure that one out, isn't it? Unbelievable. You know, these are very, you know, in 151 days, do you now see my sense of urgency? What the hell is at stake here? Because there's a lot at stake. By the way, Attorney General Barr, he's defending the police officers and, you know, disputed the question from the New York Times who asked whether or not America's law enforcement system was effectively racist. And he said, as with all human institutions, there are sometimes bad apples. We'll deal with that, he said. But these are very much the exception and not the rule. Well, me and Leo Terrell agree with that. And he said the rule of law will prevail. He was very clear on that, too. And the attorney general says they have evidence of Antifa hijacking a lot of the protests around the country. We have James O'Keefe coming up with, you know, wait till you hear what he has in round two, his second installment of his investigative report because they infiltrated Antifa. So we'll get into that as well. Anyway, 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of the program. You know what it is? You know, it's going to be jobs or mobs. You know, because I don't hear Joe Biden condemning what we're watching on TV every night. I don't hear him condemning governors and mayors that can't get control of their cities and won't even ask for help. A lot of our audience, because we have a younger audience that has been posting on social media, the hashtag uh, defund police. And um, Rashida Tlaib actually even tweeted uh, support of defund police. What, what do you think about that? What would, what would the world be like without police? Well, I understand. 
understand the frustration and the sentiment. I, I think that um, the youth of our country are are going to take up the lead soon. Um, I do get concerned about kind of the sweeping observations that people have. All right, that was uh, Governor Shutdown uh, yeah, of Michigan, Governor Whitmer. Now we have. Uh, she did a, an interview. Well, I understand the sentiment. We're gonna we're gonna shut down uh the police okay that would be like everybody's first line of defense and you know we've been reporting this week about how black lives matter that they would like to form their own armed police force or militia whatever you want to call it themselves and not have any police uh, dealings at all or have any police you have the son of the attorney general keith ellison jeremiah ellison and Uh, Minneapolis, he's a member of the city council, and, uh, yeah, claiming they will dismantle the police there. Uh, I never thought we'd be debating this, but we are. And, you know, if you look at what we now have heard in the last few days, well, let's go to New York. We have, you know, how many officers now injured? Two nights ago, two officers shot, another stabbed in the neck. Uh, Then, of course, we have uh, everyone in New York that is partaking in this anarchy in the streets of New York, they get arrested. But because of Cuomo's stupid bail policies, the law that he signed, which he even says now is idiotic, uh, they're put out in the street, you know, within hours. No bail posted, no bail needed at all. So their solution to all of this on the left is, yeah, uh, get rid of the police altogether. Even have Hillary Clinton's former spokesperson, uh, Brian Fallon, defund the police. Then it's a cause celeb Hollywood, John Legend, uh, Jane Fonda, Lizzo, and so many others uh, with an open letter demanding police be defunded. Mayor of Los Angeles, uh, Eric Garcetti, city council vowing to cut over $150 million from the LAPD budget. In New York, 40 uh, city council candidates, they are calling for a billion-dollar cut to the NYPD. And, yeah, Black Lives Matter, they want to you know, replace them, I guess, with their own armed militia. Uh, it's it's you can't make this stuff up. This is real. And I guess that's uh, I, I'm not sure how the violence ends under this scenario. But Dan Bongino is with us. Fox News contributor, former NYPD officer, Secret Service agent. Uh, OK, how is that going to work for society? Dan Bongino. Well, Sean, if if Black Lives Matter really believes in what they say, that Black Lives Matter uh, then defunding the police is obviously, to any rational actor, counterproductive to that cause. You know, I, I had a rather unique experience with the police department. I came on uh, in, the, in the Giuliani era. We had just left the awful mayorship of David Dinkins, where, Sean, the policy as a street cop was generally this. It wasn't official, but it was kind of unspoken. You leave the little stuff alone because if you arrest someone for smoking a joint in the street, you're not going to be out there for, a, say, a murder that would happen later on. And that made sense for decades to, to do police management. It was a dumb policy, but they thought it made sense. Giuliani comes into office with Bratton and Jack Maple and others and says, no, we're doing broken windows now, Sean, meaning every small crime you're getting locked up no matter what. You know what they found out, Sean, not puzzling the you or I or any conservative, that the same guy smoking a joint was likely the same guy who robbed the woman on the corner later on that night. So when you locked him up for smoking a joint, he wasn't there to commit the robbery. It wasn't rocket science. It only took an outside-the-box mayor like Mayor Giuliani to think about it 
and to implement it. And you, you're a New Yorker like I was. I was there. Crime dropped in half and then dropped in half again and then dropped the historic lows we hadn't seen in decades. And by the way, in the process, lives are saved. And, you know, the D.C. mayor, I'm not sure if you heard about this, um, but literally is now the road near the White House is painted with huge Black Lives Matter signs. Uh, just in case people forgot, this is some marchers with Black Lives Matters, and this is what they're chanting. What do we want, dead cops? When do we want them? Now. Uh, pigs in a blanket, fry them like bacon. Wow. Yeah, well, um, they fried them, and uh, they got the dead cops they wanted, Sean. Uh, one of them was uh, stabbed in the neck. I think he may be still alive, but a couple of them aren't. Um, and, of course, we saw the retired police officer, David Dorn, uh, out there to do a favor for a friend, try to secure his uh, his pawn shop, who was shot, and was uh, his death was filmed on Facebook Live. And any of your listeners, if you want to see one of the most disturbing things outside of the George Floyd video, which is disturbing enough, but you want to see, what about David Dorn, who, by the way, happens to be black? I know that doesn't matter to many of the uh, Black Lives Matters people who only seem to be focusing on one end of this and not the subsequent tragedy after George Floyd. But he's on camera, Sean, dying, bleeding out on the ground. And there's a, a, a young man next to him saying, come on, OG, come on, OG, come on, like, get up. Get up, hang in there. He didn't hang in there. He's dead. He took a bullet, center mass, and bled out on a sidewalk trying to defend his, his uh, friend's pawn shop. I mean, what about his life? Again, don't tell me Black Lives Matter if you're not serious about it. You know, it's let me, go to, let me bring in Geraldo Rivera like- here. Uh, Geraldo, is that the answer? Uh, we're going to abandon police departments. We're going to let uh, Black Lives Matter police communities on their own, uh, armed militia, I guess. I, I think that it's preposterous. And I've always seen during this kind of anti-police sentiment that the communities that they seek to de-police are the communities that need police the most. Uh, the violence, the internal violence, the civil war, the ghetto civil war that rages so often, uh, particularly in communities like Chicago, for example, uh, you know, but for uh, uh, the cops, it would be every man until the last man. And uh, Sean, there's something, uh, something crippling uh, about this self-inflicted uh, violence. And one of the worst things about it is that nobody talks about it because it's not politically correct to talk about it. Uh, you know, if you, uh, uh, if you have a, a real burning sentiment to help your community and you speak out about uh, black-on-black violence, for example, then you have someone like Lori Lightfoot, the mayor of Chicago, calling you uh, all kinds of names and saying, uh, F off, get, uh, you know, stay out of our face. Well, when is, when is someone going to take responsibility for it? At what point does the, uh, uh, does the genocide, self-inflicted, uh, become the story? I, I think that it's, uh, it's very, very unfortunate. So you have now the cities there rejecting the National Guard help. Um, you know, in the beginning, I'm thinking, well, I guess the president's just going to have to go in and clean this up and... We have a the Insurrection Act. Constitutionally, he has the right to use it. 
Um, but I'll be honest, if, if they do not have a desire to get the help that they obviously need to protect their states and protect their cities, like New York, for example, their, uh, Illinois, for example, and a number of other places, then I, I, I just don't see how the president sending in members of the military to confront uh, you know, fellow citizens, we always talk about posse comitatus. I don't, I don't think it's a good idea. They, they have to do their job. This is not the well, job of the president. If you want the guard help, they have to ask for it. Those that have asked for it got it, and they're doing much better than those that steadfastly refuse to ask for it, Dan Bongino. No, Sean, I'm with you 100%, man. You just nailed it. I said from the start, although the president, there's no there's not a serious question about his authority to do it. That's just liberal media nonsense. Of course he can do it. And and Sean, I don't disagree with him putting it out there as an option. I mean, if we were going to, God forbid, lose an American city and we're not there, no hyperbole is necessary. We're not we've had we're not at that point. Thank the Lord. I'm not using his name in vain. But then it would be a viable constitutional option. I agree with you 100 percent, though, Uh, until we get to that point, God forbid we do. It's insanity to talk about that. I mean, you'd be talking about potential blue-on-blue incidents if something, or blue-on-green if something broke bad. I mean, you have to have that coordination. It's necessary. And, and can I add here, too, I just I want to just say, I, you know, I know Geraldo and I, we agree sometimes, disagree. And I agree with him 100% on this. Don't you find it odd that the only talk of de-policing is in really minority communities? I mean, sure, my neighborhood's fine. I don't have any issues down here. Everything's okay. Thankfully, we've got a great sheriff. But these liberals are pushing this agenda in communities, and he's right, that need police the most. That's not going to affect me. No one's going to de-police Stewart in Martin County. That ain't going to happen. There's no support. You want to go de-police some of these high-crime neighbors? That's insane. It won't happen. I don't think it'll happen anywhere. It's like the same kind of BS that I've heard my entire adult life in the the news business. Uh, You know, I, I, I joked on your air last night, Charlie, that, uh, in New York, uh, we, we would, during the Vietnam War, say that a vote to abolish the United States military would pass overwhelmingly. Uh, you know, there is, is a sentiment, an anti-establishment sentiment that is, uh, that is crusty and long-established. I think the Black Lives Matter movement uh, is almost a, a modern recreation of the of the world I lived in when I was representing the young lords and the Black Panthers were around and there there was a young uh, the white patriots there was a a white group also but it was a far left Antifa type group that was allied with the Panthers and with the lords uh, you know and uh, they Geraldo, always can I can I jump in on you there I don't mean to interrupt you but I I just can I say I disagree I love to hear I disagree I, I, I don't think that is that far from a possibility now. I mean, we, you would have never thought in a million years either that, you know, an FBI would have spied on an incoming president. I just and, – and correct me if you think I'm wrong. You've been in this business a long true. time. But, but Geraldo, you got to admit, this time's a little different. I mean, stuff's well, happening I, now that I, we I all look at each other the, and said that'll the never FBI did to the, What the FBI did to the president uh, was a classic example of the worst of uh, J. Edgar Hoover's uh, most paranoid uh, – uh, actions. I think it was horrible what the FBI did, and and the great tragedy of our times uh, is that uh, the, with everything else happening with the pandemic and with this uh, uh, the insurrection and the anarchy, uh, we've lost. Uh, you know, it's been totally uh, submerged. The story of our life is really the attempted coup and the use of the 
uh, the pondering of the use of the 25th Amendment, the accusation that our president is a Russian spy. I mean, some of the most flamboyantly disgusting charges ever leveled uh, have for three years dominated the media. Now that we're exposing it, uh, you know, it's a, it's a back page story. It's, it, so was, it was three on. years of never-ending lies, three years it, of conspiracy exactly theories. That, but how shocking is it that, uh, you know, uh, they, they win the Pulitzer Prize. Yeah, friend give it back. Expose, yeah, and give there's it no back. apology. There's no self-reflection. No. There's nothing but, uh, you know, some other way to get it. Let's think of some other way to get it, Trump. They're apologizing for Tom Trump. Cotton's op-ed in the paper. Stay right there. Geraldo Dan Bongino. And as we continue, Dan Bongino, Geraldo Rivera. So how does this, do we, do we ever get back control, or is this now going to be every night in perpetuity, uh, Geraldo, or do we have an end in sight here? Well, I think uh, last night was a lot better than the previous nights. I mean, in, in some communities, tragically, it's because they've already uh, emptied the stores out. Uh, but I, I think that when the president was uh, in, his, in his rage, uh, really condemning the lack of action and, and demanding, uh, as the law and order president, that these mayors and governors get off their butts, I think it had an impact. I mean, it certainly did in the city I know, I know best in, in New York. I, you know, I talk to the cops all the time. We all know Blue Deedle and uh, Bernie Carrick and all our, our pals for many, many decades. Uh, you know, and I go way back with the cops from when I was in high school. Uh, but you have a situation where there was very, very, uh, when, the, when the mayor, when the chief executive of the community is sabotaging his own police force, the fact that it's 38,000 strong, as strong as two army divisions, means nothing if the chief executive has so, uh, you know, ha- hampered the, uh, the management of the, of the organization that it has no confidence, uh, that it's on its back foot when it knows that everything it does is not only subject to intense scrutiny, but the kind of scrutiny that comes with a, a negative ideological, uh, you know, hatred almost. is a self hatred and it's it's so unfortunate and the people who suffer like new york now who's going to want to pay eight million dollars for those apartments i i don't think an eight million dollar apartment is worth five million dollars now so someone's lost three million dollars some builder and i don't see it coming back either uh let me go to dan bongino we have about 40 seconds left dan yeah quick on two things yes it will stop and here's why one business interest in the city that finance political campaigns will not allow this. This will stop. Secondly, God forbid this happens, but someone will get killed if this continues. Someone will, and there will be a massive public outcry for order on the streets again. God forbid that happens. I pray literally it doesn't, but one of those things is going to happen and the public won't allow it to continue. There's no way. Uh, that's a scary scenario. And, um, I've been saying that and a little bit more to my closest friends. I don't even want to go where my head is really going to now, but it's there. Um, All right. Geraldo, thank you. Dan Bongino, thank you. Ben Carson, when we get back. Also, Project Veritas, uh, expose on Antifa, part two. And wait till you hear what we have today. Straight ahead. My brother wasn't about that. The footage is a God-fearing family. I want to thank God. mad. I was upset. But I want to thank God. It wasn't his fault. It was his 
took me a few days to come to that realization. But I want to thank God. Everywhere you go and see people, how they cling to him. They wanted to be around him. You know, George, he was like a general. Every day he walks outside, it'd be a line of people. Like, just like when we came in, wanting to greet him and wanted to have fun with him. Uh, guys that was doing drugs, like uh, smokers and homeless people, you couldn't tell. Because when you spoke to George, they felt like they was the president because that's how he made you feel. Wow. He, he, was, he was powerful, man. He had a way with words. He could always make you ready to jump and go all the time. Everybody loved George. We didn't call him George. We called him Perry. If you, if you called him Perry, you knew him direct, you know? Because <laughs> George was the name, everybody called him Big George, uh, Big Floyd, you know, Georgie Porgy. He had so many different names, but I'm gonna go ahead and let. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm not stopping you. Go ahead. I'm just, man, it's crazy, man. All these people came to see my brother, and that's amazing to me that he touched so many people's hearts. You know, because he's been touching our hearts, you know. Um, you come to Third Ward, where we're from, people are crying right now. That's how much they love them. You know, I'm just staying strong as I can because I need to get it out. I need to get it out. Everybody wants justice. We want justice for George. He's going to get it. He's going to get it. That was during the memorial service uh, yesterday. Terrence Floyd, uh, George Floyd's brother, and Philonis Floyd, his other brother, uh, speaking about him and what happened. Um, now this has evolved into something very different. I, As we've been discussing, I don't see how looting and arson and uh, killing and rioting helps in any way. Uh, we've seen this movie before. A lot of times this kind of thing happens. And guess what? Stores don't come back. Lives are then dramatically changed forever for the worse. Um, rather than peaceful protesting, we haven't seen it. We see cities now refusing the help of the president. President's begging to help them and send the National Guard um, but you know, it was a tweet by Byron York today. Maybe it's time for some enterprising blue state municipality to go bold and eliminate its police force. And let's see what happens. Well, do we really have to think hard about what we think would happen there? You have Hillary Clinton's former press secretary. Again, as I, I mentioned with Dan Bongino and Geraldo defund the police. This is now the battle cry. Minneapolis school board voting to cut ties with the police there. That would be, by the way, the son of Keith Ellison, the attorney general of Minnesota. He's one Minneapolis city council member. Um, you know, a Juan Williams warned the far left uh, called to defund the police is a bad idea. I think he's right. Joining us now is uh, Dr. Ben Carson, secretary of housing, urban development. Uh, you know, I wrote a friend today. Uh, Dr. Carson, and I, I, I get the feeling I see all of these these insane ideas. Let's get rid of the lifeblood of the world's economy, oil and gas and everything's free. And uh, the government's going to take over industry and, you know, listening to Joe Biden and appeasement and open borders and amnesty and sanctuary cities and sanctuary states and free health care and college and everything's free, free, free. 
Um, then we'll have no police department. And then, of course, we'll we'll appease foreign countries with one hundred and fifty billion in cash and other currency. And I'm like, you know, it, it, it sounds like an America that is unrecognizable to me. You're, you're exactly right. And there have been those who don't like our system and they want to change us into something else. They want to fundamentally change America. And, uh, you know, in more recent years, they've become pretty blatant about it. And, but they can't really change America as long as America is working well, as long as things are going well for people. So the only way you can bring about that change is to create chaos and dissatisfaction. And I think they take every opportunity to do that. And it's a shame that they would take a situation like this where, you know, the, the, the young man was, was murdered and use that as their excuse to cause havoc and destruction. Uh, none of what we're viewing every night at this point. Now, you have a murder, too, and a manslaughter charge against the officer that put his knee, kept his knee on the neck of, of George Floyd. Uh, there's universal agreement. I, I have not heard one person I know, commentator, that I that is prominent or that I've even heard of uh, that has said anything that would support what happened because what happened is obviously repulsive and evil and wrong. You can't do that. Um, no, it, it, it's egregious. Uh, it, and, and things like that are way off off the in the stratosphere i mean those are not things that happen in this country very often there are those who want you to believe that this is a common occurrence this is by no stretch of the imagination a common occurrence and the fact that you have universal condemnation of it should tell you that this is way off now you have these universally agree about nothing True, and but now we we're discovering what what the attorney general has been warning us about that you have organized, well-funded uh, anarchists now the designated group domestic terrorist group uh, Antifa uh, now organizing a lot of what we see, especially as the night rolls along. You've got cops shot, killed, uh, stabbed, injured, fighting, clinging for life. Some citizens you see storefronts looted and and destroyed and wiped out uh, this after the coronavirus, you know, shut down, which was difficult for everybody to trying to get the country up and running again. And I'm, and I'm thinking that this, this isn't going to come back. And, you know, you talk about, you know, when we're doing well, there's always going to be cycles. We see political cycles. We see economic cycles all the time. Today's numbers were beyond anything I thought would be possible for May. Um, Which I'm sure irritates the heck out of them. <laughs> After I, all, they've been doing I, I, to try to destroy things. So, so if you have an agenda that means that you do well if America does poorly, um, that's a pretty swift, twisted way of thinking. If that's what their thought process is, it, it it is very twisted. And and what the American people have to do is recognize what's going on. Don't you know align yourself with these nefarious ideas just because you feel for the fellow and for his family who were killed. We all feel for them, but we've got to be smart enough not to get dragged into the tailwind 
and, and, and get caught up in things that we really shouldn't be doing and that really are antithetical to the values and principles that made this into a great nation. This nation will spring back. It will spring back very quickly because the fundamentals are still there. You know, we've removed a ton of regulations, so that's going to make very fertile ground for new businesses to spring up. So even though we've lost some businesses, we're going to have a lot of new businesses springing up and a lot of job opportunities for people. So, you know, they're going to be really irritated when they see how fast it comes back, and then they're going to try to do something They're going to be irritated when America becomes successful. Wow. That's a pretty powerful <laughs> statement. Let me let me ask you this. I, I love your personal story. And when you were running for president, we became, in my mind, very good friends. And I admire yeah. you so much um, and your life. And you tell this story about your mom and your mom uh, uh, took a hold of you and 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 had you learn how to study and read. And she was forceful and, and made it happen. And I think also too, I, to let us be victims. That was okay. That's or refuse to any type of blame of anything. We all take responsibility for our lives. Here's where one big failure exists. And if you look at states and you look at cities that for decades, Democratic run, Democratic, uh, you know, authority the whole time. You know, I look at Chicago prime example, you know, okay, I can come in every Monday morning with numbers and statistics of how many people are shot, how many people are dead. And this has gone on now for a decade. And nobody fixes or solves the problem and says, you know what? This carnage of American treasure, a lot of a lot of young kids getting killed here, has got to stop. Uh, the school know. system, we, you know, we, we pay the most money per capita than any industrialized country, and we come in 37th and 38th? And that system of failure continues. I don't get it. That irritates the heck out of me. You know, you have all these young black males being killed every single week in Chicago. And no, all of these people who feign great concern, you know, not a word, crickets. They don't care. And the school systems, as you mentioned, you know, in, in Baltimore, where I spent many years working, you know, some of the schools were deemed inadequate through the No Child Left Behind program, and the children in those schools were going to be sent to schools that were functioning appropriately. And the politicians came and surrounded those schools and said, no, these are our schools. These are our failing schools and our failing students. I mean, just crazy stuff. And sometimes I, th I think people just do things by knee-jerk reaction or you know, somebody has told them this is what they're supposed to do. They don't really think about the implications of what they're doing and, and how it's hurting them and how it's hurting their communities. I see more and more people starting to wake up. And believe me, that is creating you, you, some you, you might be more optimistic than me. You really might. Like, I, I, I really believe that, it, you know, with the economy, it will bounce back. I do believe that. I do believe these these riots will settle down. I I believe that too. I believe in the American people, their desire to to create and innovate and and improve the lives not just of American the American people, but you know we've accumulated all this power with all this freedom. We abuse it less than anyone else that's ever had power, and we use it to advance the human condition. I've talked a lot about that. 
And I believe we will continue to do that. But I see, you know, these forces surrounding the system that made us great, the founding principles that guide us, and they want to tear it all down and replace it with what we know to be a predictable failure with false promises, lofty goals, rhetoric, slogans, bumper stickers that will result in failure, utter failure. It is, there is no ambiguity about where this ends. It would, it would be concerning, and it should be concerning to all of us, but I don't think God's done with us yet. Uh, you know, when he washes his hands of us, you know, then... Well, we threw him out of school, Dr. Carson. He's not there anymore. But there's enough of us. There's enough of us. He's, he's going to listen. <laughs> so, so maybe I should say, <laughs> let not my own heart be troubled when it is. But Dr. Ben Carson, always a pleasure. Thank you, sir, for being with us. We appreciate it. All right. You too, Sean. Take care. All right. News Roundup Information Overload Hour. Sean Hannity Show. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Now, our friends at Project Veritas, they are back. Yesterday, the first in what will be a series of one of their members going undercover and becoming a part of Antifa, uh, now designated a domestic terrorist organization. Uh, But they've been able to infiltrate uh, this group, this radical group. Uh, We talked yesterday about, I mean, it's like this clandestine uh, covert ops type of, of of organization, where they get their money from, how much money they have, we don't know. But we got into a little bit of what it is that their philosophy is and what they're what they're all about, because we do believe the attorney general has said it. Other law uh, uh, lawmakers have said it as well, that uh, a lot of what we see in terms of the violence in the cities all across the country it's quite organized. Trace uh, Gallagher over at the Fox News Channel describing the positioning, the staging of bricks in certain areas where they expect there's going to be uh, confrontations with the police. We've seen a lot of police injured. Then you also have other groups. You have Black Lives Matter, as we've been talking about as well. But in the case of Antifa, or as some say, Antifa, uh, now James O'Keefe's group, they've now gone deeper. And, you know, my knowledge of martial arts, again, I'm a student of the arts. I've been a student for seven years. I, I use an eclectic blend of arts, Krav Maga, Kempo, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, boxing, situational street fighting. Uh, that would be sticks, knives, guns, etc. You know, just real combative uh, defense measures for me and also a great workout. But you can hear, and as I'm listening to this, I'm thinking, okay, whoever is teaching these techniques does have a foundational knowledge of real street fighting to to not only damage but potentially even kill and i'll tell you what i mean the first tape you're going to hear uh is a person talking about quote combat training using kidney punches that's a very strategic punch targeted punch somebody's kidney and if you hit it the right way in the right spot and you know what you're doing you can cause a lot of damage then they're talking about we've heard a lot about chokes if i put you in what's called a rear naked choke in other words i would slide one of my arms in and around the neck where where the my forearm bone if you will on the side is literally pressing down into the carotid arteries on both sides, the left and right side. Then you wrap it around the person's shoulders and you put it, your other hand 
pretty much holding it in place, and a person cannot get out of that hold if you have any level of strength at all. And they describe that. Now, that's called choking somebody out. If you really get in there and you know how to do a rear naked choke, uh, that person can die. That's why I kept saying with the video as it relates to George Floyd that the pressure on the neck and the most vulnerable part of the human anatomy means something. Anyway, listen, this is uh, now part two, James O'Keefe, Project Veritas. If you, if you get a, a good liver or kidney shot, it's, it's pretty much crippling. They're going to be doubled over and in a lot of pain. If you break one of the floating ribs, which are small right down here, those are also very painful. It's hard to move after that. It's hard yeah. to catch your breath. Mm. So one good body shot could potentially give you all the time in the world to run away mm. while they're doubled over in pain. Right. Or really put a beating on them after that if you really don't like the person. <laughs> We just kind of want to, in the space, reframe the idea of self-defense as not simply you're being acted upon by an aggressor, but it's a kind of a decision you make um, to fight back. Uh, in a lot of ways to say, um, I'm human and I'll this, I occupy this space and I'll be not, not with my nose, inside of my head. If yeah, I come into you, you can definitely do it for sure. But if you like me from here and just feel like, and then you want to follow that up with something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, if that does knock him out, then yeah, the nose, the face, the eyes. Hopefully you guys will be under there. So just see all this. Yeah. Uh, we call this uh, a safe space to practice aggression, uh, not aggression against one another, um, but really just uh, a space that if you want to, or if you will, or will want to challenge yourself to kind of work on harnessing that kind of energy. Seems like I, more people are using like hats and batons. And yeah, which like we can totally do defense against objects, but. It's hard to do defense against blunt objects when someone's holding a shield. Yeah. Because defense against blunt objects involves like, you know, just try to hit me. Like that kind of shit. Mm -hmm. If you've got a shield, like what? Then you just bash them. But so the main takeaway from a seabill was just stay the f away. No, bouncers like to choke people from the back. Yeah. Rear naked chokeholds. That shit is used all the time. Like, Someone will just come up behind you. Uh, or the other thing. The bear hug. Um, it's super, super simple. Yeah. You just drop the body like it, right? Crazy simple. So the idea is you step to the side, grab the person, oh and then slam them down. Okay? <laughs> That's one way. So here's the other, the other way. Come on, choke me. You step, you grab this. <laughs> or you just solidly elbow, he will let go. So very sophisticated. Now remember, these the cops, uh, there are peaceful protesters. There are people that are genuinely, rightly, it, it is, they're righteous in their desire for justice in the case of George Floyd. Now, amongst them, though, are these agitators. And what are they talking about? Rear naked chokes. Uh, they're talking about, you know, uh, nose, eyes, poking the eyes, gouging the eyes. Uh, you know, th these are very, very, very specific um, targeted training moves by people that that want to win a, a real street fight, except the cops don't recognize these agitators amongst the peaceful protesters, so that they never know what's going to what's what, what they're facing at any given moment. That makes it their job again three times harder. 
Anyway, James O'Keefe back with us, Project Veritas. Uh, well, those are very specific, very aggressive, and also the types of uh, targeted strikes and chokes that do real damage. Hey, Sean. Yeah, thank you for having me on again. And again, what's amazing about this next installment is that they're talking about poking people's eyes out again. Yesterday, they were talking about eye gouging. And also, one of the Antifa fight instructors was was trying to rationalize uh, these things as self-defense. He said they're not really self-defense. But we're gonna we're gonna reframe this as self defense. So it's not really uh, self defense. It's a kind of offensive violence. But they're they're suggesting that they could turn it into a type of self defense in order to hurt people. And you're really getting an inside view here on this training, Sean. The, some of the people in the media says this isn't even really uh, an, an organization or a group. They they say it doesn't even exist. Well, you're seeing inside of their trainings now. Yeah, and what they're, they're talking about kidney shots. Uh, they're talking about gouging eyes, poking eyes. Uh, a lot about the neck here, rear naked chokes. And you're right. They're they're basically saying, well, we're going to say it's defensive, but we know it's not defensive. And, you know, you get in a good kidney shot, it's pretty much crippling them, and they're going to be doubled over in a lot of pain. And if you break one of the floating ribs, which are small and right down here, well, those are very painful too, and it's hard to move after that kind of shot to even catch your breath, which, by the way, is all true. One good body shot could potentially give you all the time in the world to run away while they'll double over in pain or really put a beating on them if you really want to make it personal. Uh, that sounds like planned violence and attacks to me. Well, it sure, it sure is, Sean. And as I said to you yesterday, this is a group that believes in the, the so-called coming insurrection, according to one of their books, which is a left-wing uh, uh, manifesto from out, out of Europe. And we reported on this, that the Antifa's connection to Sweden, one of their founders, a woman named Caroline, came over from Sweden to Oregon to work with this group, uh, Rose City Antifa. This one, Sean, is from something called Refuse Fa, New York City, Refuse Fascism, part of Antifa. And uh, again, just looking at the tape, like you said, and Sean, when I met you, I know that you're an expert in, in, to some degree in some of this martial arts stuff. I am not, but clearly, I loved how you broke that down. These guys know what they're doing, and they're, they're training their members to commit acts of offensive violence. So my question is, we're going to keep putting out these videotapes. I love for whether it's the attorney general or someone in government. Well, I was just going to ask that. Theory. I mean, I, I would imagine that the attorney general probably wants to see this, especially yeah, I, after I, his I, comments that he made he already, yesterday. I'd imagine he's already seen it. I don't have any specific – no one's reached out to me yet. I've heard rumors that they would like to reach out to me, but nobody has called me. I'm, I'm willing to speak with the Department of Justice about this. We have more tapes, and uh, you always ask me what's next. As I said to you, I want to give each and every one of these the justice it deserves. We don't even know some of these people's last name. We'd like to crowdsource that on the Internet. We'd like people to find the last names. We tried to find the full names, but we have unmasked these people. They're not wearing their black block. They don't have the stuff covering their faces. so You can see who they are. But we, we have another tape coming out on Monday. And, and it, it's even worse uh, with, with weapons training. Uh, here they're just talking about poking people's eyes out. But, but next we've got weapons they're using. So we, we hope Are we talking the, the about sticks? Are we talking about knives? Are we talking about uh, guns? Are we talking about We're all talking the about above? Guns. We're talking about mm -hmm. guns. And, and I don't know if yeah, I assume these guns are obtained lawfully, but we're talking about guns. This is a real, this is the real deal. 
And, and we want people to take this seriously. But right now we have a media that doesn't even acknowledge their existence, denies reality, Sean. They, they don't even want to acknowledge this is a group. They're saying this is not a legitimate group after the Attorney General of the United States says they're a terrorist organization. So I, I don't know how you can deny the evidence of your eyes and ears after seeing these tapes. I'm just telling you, I've done this. I'm a student now seven years in this, four or five days a week. This is what we do. And uh, these are the most violent areas of attack that inflict the most damage. Now, I learn it for self-defense purposes. Um, but what I, what this, whoever this instructor is, is not ignorant. Maybe evil, but is not ignorant. This person is very acutely aware of exactly what, because even an amateur, if, you know, if you're taking somebody off guard and you have an open shot because they're not expecting it, you know, you get, you know, cold cock from behind or they come up with, come up to you and get on you very quickly. Uh, all of what they're being taught can inflict massive damage. I, when you, when you do an eye gouge, James, what that means is you take both thumbs, you push them way deep into the socket, and you rip them out. That would You will rip out their eyeball, and it's not hard to do. A rear naked choke, literally, if, if it's applied properly, and again, if somebody's, off, if somebody's caught off guard, they have no idea if fight's about to ensue, but this is their mission, and they have an intention of doing this. You throw that person, you lock in a rear naked choke, and you really lock it in, that person's going to drop unconscious in anywhere from 10 to 15 seconds. Done. Out. Cold. Well, well, Sean, I think just to reiterate on the radio here, because we're, we're in a, on the radio, you can't see it. This Chris, the Antifa fight instructor, says, quote, we, we want to reframe the idea of self-defense as not simply you're being acted upon. That's an extraordinary statement. They want to reframe the very idea of self-defense. In other words, Antifa is saying, we're not acting in self-defense, doing the eye gouges with the thumbs and the chokeholds and poking in the eye and, 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 so, and getting a good kidney shot. They're trying to say that this is their entire philosophy is to use this as an offensive gesture. And they're reframing it as self-defense. It's something out of Orwell's 1984. They're, they're changing the very definition of self-defense. This is yeah, what well, they're on the tape saying when they don't know they're being taped. Uh, amazing. Stay right there. Project Veritas. Uh, you can find it on their website. We have a link on Hannity.com. It makes it easy for you. We'll show these on Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern, Fox News. All right, Final Moments, Project Veritas. Now they have come out with part two of uh, infiltrating the group Antifa, or as some say, Antifa. So Monday you will release more tapes. Monday now they will be getting specifically a hinting on weapons trading, even specifically guns. Can you give us a hint how many, how many, well, more parts to this we might have? And number one and number two, how violent is this? Yeah, Sean, that's kind of our, our modus operandi is to release the tapes one at a time. And, and uh, to your before the By the break, way, which I think is very gonna... smart because people pay close attention to each one unless there's a news cycle that prevents it from happening, which I know has happened occasionally to you, but um, people tend to now pick up on it more, and as it goes on, you usually get, it gets worse and worse and worse, and cumulatively, you see how dangerous this all is. Yeah, exactly, and it's the reaction to the story, and, and uh, you know, because the press is so corrupt, because they're, they've abandoned their mission, they don't react the way, but sometimes they do, and, and uh, to your point, on Monday, we're going to release another tape, it's going to get into the weapons training and how they do their training and, 
and, and their philosophy. And, and, and uh, again, this is a group that people deny exists in any type of organized shape or form. So we're going to just keep releasing tapes until we force well, them, Sean. We'd love a criminal referral, by the way, the Justice Department. Maybe there's a member of Congress or something. I'm going to make sure that they know these exist. I'm sure they do already, though. I'm pretty sure. I have to bet. Uh, James O'Keefe, so. ProjectVeritas.com. Um, and by the way, they're always looking for people that want to volunteer. And uh, Project, we'll take yeah, Please, we're real, real five seconds. It's Veritas Tips, V-E-R-I-T-A-S Tips at ProtonMail.com is our email. If you want to get involved, if you're an insider, whistleblower, inside Antifa, send us a note. All right, James O'Keefe, thank you. When we come back, uh, we'll get to a lot of your calls. More coming straight ahead on, on the Sean Hannity Show. All right, 25 now to the top of the hour, 800 Sean, you want to be a part of this extravaganza. Let's get to our phones. I know many of you have been very, very patient. Marty, out in California. Marty, uh, thank you for joining us from the sanctuary state of California. Yes, ground zero. Sean, thank you for taking my call. Thank you, sir. What's uh, on your mind? Okay, my question is, uh, uh, Garcetti had mentioned uh, that he's going to... Uh, uh, comply to the demands of the protesters, and one of them is to defund the LAPD. And I'm saying this, well, uh, don't we vote on that? It, it, how is he to say we defund uh, the LAPD or any program? We pay for it, the taxpayers, we the people, for the people. Um, how does this work? I don't want a couple, you know, a, a board... Uh, voting on defunding the police department. We need more police. Obviously, we can see what happened in the last three, four days. So how does that work, Sean? Listen, I how it works is $150 million cut to the LAPD. This is what it means. Now, cops in New York have been assaulted, and they're getting away with it. They're being doused with water, and they're getting away with it. There's been other instances where where bricks, rocks and other things thrown at the cops. They get away with it. Now, when the cops go out during the middle of the looting and the rioting and the arson and they do their job and they arrest those that are involved in these activities. Well, those people usually because of this idiotic no bail at all reform that Cuomo signed, they get put right back out on the streets. Now, let's say you pick them up on night two. They get let out on the street again. Night three, they let them out again. And we've had bank robbers that, you know, are thankful for the new bail law because they say, great, I get to rob another bank as soon as you let me out. And it's been happening. You can't make it up. But, Sean, aren't they supposed to ask us? We're the the employer. They are the employee. Don't they ask us? You know, look, I live in a similar state like you. The two worst states in the union when it comes to taxes, burdensome regulation, and just utter incompetence, stupidity, waste, fraud, abuse. All right, so I'm in New York, you're in California. Uh, well, they do ask the people. Every four years, you get to vote. And the people of California usually vote Democratic. And you put in one Democratic governor, one Democratic mayor after another, after another, after another. And then Californians, okay, sanctuary cities, a sanctuary state, uh, Gavin Newsom, $500 checks toward that, that go to illegal immigrants for COVID relief. Uh, you have free health care, free education, uh, criminal justice system that, you know, billions of dollars spent on illegal immigrants, but they have sanctuary, even violent criminals. They serve their time in jail. They get out. They're not handed over to ICE for, or permanent renewal. 
So the answer is they ask the people what they want. And every four years, two years, whatever it is, uh, we all of your neighbors are voting these people back into office. There's your answer. But don't we vote for funding? That's that's our right to act. No, you 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 vote life. for you vote for council members, you vote for mayors, you vote for governors, and they make the decisions. Well, don't we have on the petitions? We have uh, you know funding for for well, infrastructure. We have California has a, a proposition ballot system. You can go out and you you can you know get enough signatures. You put something on a ballot, then you'd have a direct up or down vote on it. You know. Well, remember, what was it, Prop 13 years ago on on property taxes? I, I don't remember the exact one. There's been, there's been a lot. On 187, I remember, wasn't that immigration? So, look, it's you have to get enough of your fellow Californians to do this with you and then appeal to the people of California, which I don't know if that's going to work out because here's another problem. New York and California... People that have any conservative leanings that hate the direction of high taxes and waste, fraud and abuse and a tremendous bureaucracy. If you want to if you want to put a pool in, good luck to you. Um, John. Yeah. Sean, this is what really bothers me, that they took out. They've taken out U.S. history out of the school system. Our history. Our our history is being taken out of our educational system, American history. When our when our veterans went into war, they didn't kneel on the battlefield in Normandy. So when these when they, when when we're kneeling in front of that flag, the kids are seeing. Well, we can kneel in front of that flag on the battlefield. It might be all we have is that red, white, and blue. And 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 I don't. Well, I just you know look at I, look at what terrible. happened to Drew Brees this week. You know, saying, "Look, I know what the flag means to me because so many Americans fought, bled, died." fighting under that flag and i am all for protests i'm all for freedom of speech peaceful protests i'm all for it you know that that is foundational to this country but here's what's happening here's why even if you had an organized effort prop 13 property tax reform prop 187 immigration reform out there okay let's say you can gather the signatures that you need to get a proposition on the ballot, whatever the process is, completely, I don't remember. I, I lived out there five years, but it was a long time ago, uh, in the late 80s. With Council President Nuri Martinez, with Council Members Herb Wesson, Marquise Harris-Dawson, and Curran Price, and so many other members of the Council, from Mike Bonin to Mitch O'Farrell and others, we have all said we have to do something different. We hear what people are saying. And so I have instructed and committed to, in public to that group, that our city, through our city administrative officer, identify $250 million in cuts so we could invest in jobs, in health, in education, and in healing. And that those dollars need to be focused on our black community here in Los Angeles, as well as communities of color and women and people who have been left behind for too long. And will this involve cuts? Yes, of course, to every department, including the police department, because we all have to be a part of this solution together. You know, so you get it on the ballot, but here's the problem. A lot of conservatives in New York and California, they're saying goodbye. They've left. They're leaving. They've been pushed out of states that many of them love because of a hostile business environment, 
hostile confiscatory ta- taxation. You know, look look at the cost of a U-Haul. You want to leave L.A., you want to leave San Francisco, you want to move to the great state of Texas. Okay, well, it's going to cost you about 2500 bucks for a U-Haul on average. Now, if you're going from Texas and you want to move to the Socialist Republic of California, the sanctuary state that it is, everything's free, well, it only costs you about 400 bucks. Now, why would there be such a disparity in the cost if it's the same truck, the same distance, moving from one state to the same state? Why? Well, the reason is uh, the demand is so great to get the trucks to move out of California and there's not a lot of people moving from Texas to California because they don't want to move into that Schiff show. Literally, he's one of your congressmen like Nancy Pelosi, Maxine Waters. They're all out from California. And basically, if you're going from Texas to California with that U-Haul, you're doing U-Haul a massive favor because it's you're basically moving it back into where they're going to make most of their profit, even if they take a loss on your trip. That that speaks volumes. You watch after all this, you know, Geraldo said it earlier today is that you if you're if you had an eight million dollar, ten million dollar apartment in New York City, you know what it's worth now? Maybe five. And I, I think when all is said and done in the next number of years, you'll see a mass exodus, not just out of the city, but out of the state. And it's going to be it will shock, you know, this once you know greatest city in the world. It's not anymore. And. You know, if you think it can happen, I'll go to Exhibit A. Exhibit A will be Motown. It will be Detroit, one of the greatest cities ever, one of the most prosperous. Well, the unions, car industry lost their way, and one after another, costs got too high, and manufacturers moved to, to Mexico and other countries and uh, or other more friendly states to, to build their factories. Well, Detroit lost fully half of their population. The net result is you could buy homes for a dollar on eBay at certain points. Uh, Next consequence, they now have an inability to service people in need. So what do they do? They consolidate services and actually bulldozed complete neighborhoods, knocked them over, and then literally now have reduced the footprint of what Detroit actually once was. That's how bad it can get. Do I predict that? I'm not predicting that because New York's such an international city, New York City in particular. But I can see a day when Wall Street says, why are we staying here? We're paying too much in taxes. And here's another little dirty secret of how corrupt and unfair the system is. Now, if let's say, and and I've told this story many times, Linda, how many times do we have Rick Perry, Rick Scott, Bobby Jindal in studio in New York when they were governors? A lot, right? Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah, they came up every month. You know why? Because they were recruiting businesses and, and incentivizing them how much they could save if they would do business in their states. And the reason they kept coming back every month is because they were all dramatically successful. And they're saying, you know what? You'll have a better way of life. You have better weather. You have everything you could ever want. You want to go back to New York, see a play one day, take a plane. It'll it'll be pennies on the dollar based on the amount of money just in rent alone and taxes alone that you're not paying. So, you know, teleworking now is here. One of the most amazing developments out of COVID is people, workers have have realized that they like more open spaces, cheaper rent, and if they're moving to 
to states just on the perimeter of New York, uh, they're saving a lot in taxes. And companies are realizing, you know what? We don't have to pay $4 million a square foot for office space. We don't need half of it anymore. We don't need any of it. And maybe somebody in some of these corporations and these corporate boards will make the decision, the light will go on, why don't we move our headquarters to Florida, to Texas, or some other tax-friendly state? Wow, here's how much we will save as a corporation. Now, the dirty secret there, too, is, wow, Democrats are sneaky. They'll go in and they'll offer special deals to keep them. In other words, stay here. You get this special, unique tax break. In other words, I don't get that tax break, but companies that threaten to leave, they're getting special offers all the time. So they're not even paying the amount of taxes that everybody else, all the rest of us suckers end up paying. Um, but I'm telling you, but now, the, now, now let me take it even a step further. Because what's happened in New York, what's happened in California uh, and, and Illinois and New Jersey in part two with the mass exodus is now if they get elected in 151 days and they implement the exact insane policies, except now we'll have no oil, no gas, forget Obamacare, losing your doctor, losing your plan and paying 200 percent more which happened to millions. There are 40% of the population. I was one Obamacare exchange choice. Okay, now we're going to do that, and we'll do it on steroids. And the steroids and human growth hormone aspect of this is, well, eliminate oil and gas. Let's see, free education, free college, free healthy food, guaranteed job, guaranteed vacation, guaranteed retirement. Uh, One problem, how are we going to pay for all of that? Now you will actually, those states will become little experiments that result in a country. Because one thing I've learned about rich people in my life is they're not stupid. They didn't get rich being stupid. Some of I'm talking about people that actually earn their money, not trust fund kids. But they're not stupid people. They're good, smart people that figure out ways to create goods and services that people want, need, and desire and make a lot of money doing it and provide all those goods and services. Well, if it gets to a tipping point, They're going to say the hell with this and they're going to leave and they're going to take off and they'll leave the United States and they'll take with them their manufacturing centers and jobs that would be associated with it. That's what's going to happen. You want to hate the rich, hate the rich, rob the rich, tax the rich to death. The rich are going to say goodbye. They'll at some point that tipping point comes. Now, I know this sounds like a very optimistic message, but it can all be stopped in 151 days. I don't know what the election outcome is going to be. Neither does anybody else. All I know is that what is at stake is the future of the country. You cannot have a bigger choice election than the one that you will decide in 151 days. That's it. It's all on the line. All right, tonight, Hannity, Fox News, 9 Eastern. Hope you set your DVR. We are loaded up, and that is news and information and investigations you won't get from the mob in the media. We got Geraldo, Dan Bongino, Pete Hegseth, Burgess Owens tonight. We have Dave Rubin, Mike Huckabee, Leo Terrell, and Larry Elder. Well, they're now kind of a favorite. All coming up Monday, uh, all coming up tonight, Hannity on Fox News. See you tonight. Back here Monday. Have a good weekend.